0: welcome 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 back everyone you are tuned into the element here on you stock saga 960 am and we are your girls thaman and gurdjo bringing to you another episode And like promised, we have an amazing guest that we're super excited to talk to. She is a podcaster, an awesome mama bear, and a connoisseur of everything sisterhood. We have on with us Pearlie from the Diatribe podcast, which you can catch on Ruckus Radio as well as on podcasts on all streaming platforms. So make sure you tune in because it is one of my favorite listens. Pearlie, how are you today?
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. And that's officially one of my new titles, Connoisseur of Sisterhood.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There was no other better way to like bring you in because I feel like the conversations that you have, you dive so deep into it on your social media platforms, as well as, you know, on your podcast. I always see you supporting other women supporting other initiatives supporting like you know queer and ta- trans folk and i think it's absolutely beautiful and i think that more people need to like look into it and see what sisterhood isn't just you know a woman with a woman like you know two women it includes such a broader community and the definition mm-hmm. of what it means to even be a woman it's not just you know the x chromosome or or whatever it, it goes yes. beyond and, and deeper than that And so we're excited to have you on today to talk about Sisterhood. Valentine's Day is coming up. And a lot of people are out there searching for love, but we're Mm -hmm. here
2: and we're searching. We're here, the blind leading the blind.
0: (laughs) That's what we are. Me and
2: and Thoman, that's what we are.
1: I call it a sounding board and I'm for it. So keep doing that.
0: (laughs) but we're super excited to have you in today and before like as we get started into this conversation I wanted to ask you what how do you define sisterhood
1: Oh sisterhood for me I've never really been asked that but sisterhood for me is a reclamation it's a reclamation of relationships that most women of color saw growing up it's a reclamation of what we witnessed it's a reclamation of things we may have contributed to and it's a way to genuinely love each other
0: like Mm -hmm. that is
1: the core of it just genuinely love each other and that also means accepting each other and knowing that we're not perfect human beings and that we are all on this journey of healing from toxic relationships with women and a lot of people don't like to address that a lot of people like to say that by even saying that it's misogynistic but you know, that's a real issue in communities of color among women and just reclamation is what sisterhood means to me.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. Um, and with you in- here with us today, I want to uh, make note of the, um, the kind of concept and the theme that I was thinking of going forward with the Bechdel test. So the Bechdel test is when when women are talking to each other, how long can they last without, you know, bringing in the idea and the concept of a man? And so starting wow. now, because there's always this myth that we need to incorporate men into this. And so I want to make note of it that this will be... Um, almost like there will be mentions of it but these conversations are going to be focused around the woman and sisterhood and sisterhood itself sorry men <laughs> not today <laughs> sorry not we'll today out of this one
1: <laughs> I'm about it I like that
0: um Grijot what what is sisterhood to you um sisterhood for me um
2: is so I grew up with really close to actually my little sister. And I'm gonna define our relationship as something that I see broader now with other women um, in my life. And that is like the, uh, as you said, unconditional love, unconditional support. It's that space, that individual, that family, that tribe that you have where that person can kind of like amplify the light that you have within yourself already. It's very sacred, I think. And it's almost angelic, I find. Like the Mm -hmm. sisters that you kind of make a a family with and a relationship with, I feel like they're angels in your life. Like I, I truly do. And when I see sisterhood and I think of sisterhood, I think of like a band of like angels that are like here navigating this plane that we're in and only here to kind of uplift each other in order I to kind that. of like journey through life.
1: That's so beautiful. I love that. I literally like visualized it and it just feels and sounds so good. And it's true. It's it's like that unconditional aspect really gives us space to be non-judgmental. I think that's a huge one. You know, I think oftentimes just for anybody in general when you're establishing relationships or friendships most of the time, unfortunately, you get that icky feeling and that gut intuition and that sense that they're in it for transactional purposes.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: by having that outlook on it and by having those types of relationships with women, it's not about that. It's about yeah. come as you are and be as you are. And, you know, even as people of color, like we code switch all the time. Imagine having to code switch for the rest of your life with other women. How exhausting. Yeah, yeah. And we did that. We all did it, you know? So.
0: It's a lot we have to unlearn. Yeah. Yeah. She, like comes from like, I. for example, I can speak to it a bit. Uh, growing up, I had a lot of women in my family and there was this constant comparison with like in, in my immediate family, my cousins are younger than me, but there would be women in my extended family that I would constantly be compared to by my grandmothers, by my aunts. it it, it makes you feel bad and it compares you to other women instead of being like hey go play with her she's your cousin you'll get along with her instead they're instilling this like competition between Mm -hmm. us and I feel like that's where it comes from me where do you think that it comes like where this um, I guess internalized misogyny or this pitting women against one another comes
1: from I think you said it like you said it perfectly. It comes from the early relationships that we had, like the first models that we had in our lives, whether it's our mothers, our grandmothers, our aunts, even our teachers, like literally any grown-up relationship, those are the behaviors that we learned. And okay, so I want to I wrote down the the definition of misogyny and just even reading what it actually means, it just it makes so much sense. So misogyny is the hatred of, contempt for, or prejudice against women or girls. Hatred, dislike, or mistrust of women manifested in various forms, such as physical intimidation and abuse, sexual harassment and rape, social shunning and ostracism, ingrained and institutionalized prejudice against women. And that's like a whole, so many mouthful mouthful there, or I don't even know how to say that, but you know, it's just, it's a lot of words there. But... Thinking about like when we remove just the sexual abuses and things like that, the physical intimidation, the social shunning, those are ones that we really experience in our community. And it's brought up in ways, you know, through cousins, jealousy, through siblings even. A lot of the times we don't even address that where siblings are pitted against each other. Um, And then, you know, how many times have you seen a mom or an aunt on the phone, loving up their Benji, but as soon as they hang up, it's like, oh my God. And they have so much to say. And it's like, wow, you just had such a pleasant conversation. What the fuck? And then these are behaviors that we inherit, whether we want to or not, right? So we've all seen this. We've all seen this before. Any woman of color, no matter what culture or race you are from, we see it through all of these different people in our lives. And even our friends, like I didn't even mention that, even our friends, middle school, elementary school, high school, it really comes down to, the difference really comes down to the cycle breakers and the upholders. And truthfully, it's even more difficult to uphold this when you know better, because you have to like just switch off your conscience and just literally uphold this abusive and bullshit behavior. Whereas women, I find like us who are these cycle breakers you know, are seen as powerful beings, but it's really difficult because when you're doing this, you are getting more shaming, you're receiving more shunning. So even when you're breaking the cycle, it's still in a sense, repeating itself somehow, you know, so this is where we learn it from. It's coming from all of the people that we love or have loved us. And you know, it's just an ongoing thing.
2: I think it might be even more ancient than that. Like, I think it goes back far. Like, this is how we're learning it, right? But like- It's colonization. Yeah, I think it's super ancient because I think women are very, very powerful beings. They are so powerful. We- Make movements. We literally Mm. change the world. So if you have a bunch of women that all love each other and support each other, imagine that would be a completely different world. This is something that has probably been embedded into society, into human beings and civilizations at a really, really early time. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because women were seen as um, threats because of how powerful they were together. That women can. Literally, literally, I feel like do so much more than uh, when together. That's just human beings in general than yes. when they are apart. And then Absolutely. as you were saying, up the people that uphold and the people that are change breakers, I can see it myself within people that are upholding it. You can see it in their face, their guiltiness, their guilty conscience. You yep. can see it. It's yep. literally a battle. It's they just know what that they're point. doing. Exactly. And I think it's the fear that wins the fear of like, uh, change the fear of like, what could possibly happen differently, like that fear is what ends up winning. But I see it so many times it's painted, like all over someone's face that guilt, like, even if they're upholding, and you're right, even though the change breakers, yeah, we're changing it, but we probably we feel it the most because we have to push against it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right in saying that this is, this happened way before that. Like everything, when we really come down to it, it's colonization. The white man done fucked us up and women of color feel it, (laughs) feel it the most. Why? You know, and then we can get into intersectional feminism and why we are still struggling with this concept when really I want to include all women because there's so many different even within feminism now there's different groups of feminism because now feminism isn't for everybody and now mm-hmm. intersectional feminism has been claimed by women who want to you know claim to be for all women but really it's just a pick me situation you know yeah and like we've lost our way the the main the main thing that we lost during colonization aside from freedom and our rights and our ancestral you know stories and ways of living is the ability to rely on each other because the way that white folks had benefited off of us was pitting us against each other from the beginning and women being so powerful, like you said, and being who we are, the storytellers, the, you know, memory keepers, the, the child bearers, the, the one who literally keeps the legacy going on Mm -hmm. what better way to dismantle a whole society than to get the women against each other. And that's That's so true. And that's even between mothers, daughters, and it's such a heartbreaking thing. Like, it's actually so devastating that we are still dealing with that. And it hurts me to see, like, now I view it from a different place. Before, if, you know, a sister was hating, I'd be like, fuck you, bitch. And that's my own internalized, you know, shit. Now I'm going to take it. I'm be like, that hurts, but you are hurting. So you deal with your hurt over there. Because yeah. I, I don't need to be the receiver of your projections. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's often shaming and shunning.
2: It's it's interesting. Like what you just said in the end of that is that it's, it, you know, now it you know, your perspective, your whole perspective, and there's a whole reality shift. Once you start recognizing that it's not personal, mm-hmm. it literally has nothing to do with you. It's their own trauma. It's projected because people don't like, know what else to do with it and that's because we haven't been taught anything else and to learn how to manage those emotions and to recognize that within ourselves and hold ourselves accountable that's a really hard thing to do but then it takes another person to kind of really make you see that when they don't take it personally when they when I've noticed that and once you have that shift within yourself everybody around you starts shifting they it's all true. start seeing it the whole environment changes it's and so and you're true. right it's so sad it is really sad that we see this and with my own like mom we have so many conversations there's so many pushbacks and some of the one of the big main reason why like there's such a pit against each other is because they're in survival mode still they're literally in survival mode. So when you're mm-hmm. in survival mode, you're just thinking about yourself. You're literally right. not thinking about anybody else. And unfortunately, the toxic cycle is continuously being in this mental state of survival mode yeah. that we, we put it on our child. And it's not that they don't they don't want you to thrive. They're just thinking about you surviving still, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why it keeps going. That's why it keeps repeating until you recognize and you see it that like, Hey, I'm surviving. Now it's time for me to thrive.
1: Yes. Yes. That's so true. And like, there's always commonalities, right? With, with the women who do uphold this behavior. Um, and now like being on this side of the healing journey, that is a forever one, I can see and empathize that like sis is, sis is in pain and hurting, whether they wanna acknowledge it or not. That's how I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna address it or just view it that way and keep it moving because there's ignorance with it. Some people are really ignorant to it and some people are aware. And it's the ones that are aware that you wanna walk away from, you know, because yeah. that, that's where it's difficult. But there's so many commonalities when I think about it in my experience, whether I had been the person who was internalizing or if I had received it, which is a fucking consistent theme in my life, okay? Um, I find that there's like a false self-esteem, I think it's called, where like, you know, you see a bully and they're like tough shit, but then really like they have a lot of fucking shit going on behind behind their eyes, in their mind, in their home, in their life. And like you said, it's a projection. And then there's also, like I said, the ignorance aspect where they're just lacking empathy, they're lacking self-awareness. But even that, it's like, ugh, I don't want to deal, I don't want to have anything to do with that because I'm just so far removed from being asleep and now awake that I don't want to fall back into that. And I don't, I'm not here to guide anybody out of it, you know? It's like when I'm when I'm claiming that I have my sisterhood, it's a reclamation, it's a collective reclamation. We're all there for each other to uplift each other and to understand each other. Um, and then there's also that, that lack of power, like a lot of women are craving that power. And women already being oppressed, just based on our gender, they're, they're going to use that as leverage, and they're going to oppress other folks. And it's sad when it's women of color, because it's like the oppressed are oppressing the oppressed. Yeah fuck do you expect to come out of this cycle if it's ongoing and another sad reality that like actually blows my mind as a mother is that a lot of these women are girls we grew up with who grew up to be mothers and they're still mean girls and i hate that title but like that's really mean girls i'll put in quotations you know and then i don't want to say that that's going to impact their mothering and judge them in that sense but it makes you wonder It doesn't necessarily break the cycle. I know you don't want to
2: say it, but it does. Let's be honest. Yeah, if they didn't want to break the
1: cycle, what are they going to teach their kids? And quite frankly, your your kids can stay the fuck away from mine.
2: Yeah. Um, So how do you feel about that though? I know you said something. You said about how like, you know, I'm not here to um, be a guide. You said along those lines that like, I'm going to remove myself. mm -hmm. That's a really, really hard statement to recognize and stay. Because like, as I said earlier, when you're a survivor, you think you're the savior. And when you think, when you become the savior, then you think you're here to, because you know, right? You're aware. So then you have this like, Almost responsibility on your shoulder, it feels as if, right? Because, and I've experienced this myself where you have to communicate, you got to step up, you got to keep your calm. You're almost invalidating your own feelings yeah. just so you can make space for someone else so that they can get to where you're at. It's a really big responsibility. And for those that are listening right now, I just want you guys to know that, like, you got to. You got to take care of yourself. It's okay and understandable to want to be there for other people and be there for other women and when you have that empathy as you said that you can see someone's hurting it's really hard to turn around and walk away from that when when even although it's going to hurt you because you've dealt with the pain and you know you can pick yourself up. So you almost as if feel like you like oh I can heal myself let me help heal them, right? And then it turns into something that's a lot deeper and a lot heavier and a lot harder how like what are you guys thoughts on how do we like uplift but also at the same time don't drain ourselves as well
1: mm.
0: um I, I can start off uh I think that something that's really important is when when you're uplifting others is just like separating yourself we talk about this a lot is Uh, when you build boundaries, it's more of an invitation for them to love you the way that you want to. You are not an emotional dumping ground for someone to come and to uh, let their emotions in on you. You are, you have to like make that space available. And so if they start doing that, you have to create that barrier and be like, no, it's okay. So for example, if I become friends with someone that I met over the internet or whatever, the last couple of weeks, and they're confiding in me something deep that they went through, there is a certain level that to be honest, I would be slightly cautious because I think that like me being a random stranger, how are you so comfortable with me? And so mm-hmm. automatically these barriers that I have, these boundaries that I have go up. But at the same time, I'm still gonna be there because sometimes it's easier to confide in a stranger than it is to someone you like than it is with someone you know. So okay. I would be open to that, I would be receptive to that and and listen to what they would have to say and sometimes it's just easier to provide them with a ground to listen so that they can heal on their own but once they start asking for too much especially not knowing their circumstances i don't think that we're in any way to give advice or whatever so just being straight up with them being like i can be here to listen to you but i can't do anything further uh Mm. because i don't i don't know the situation or provide like you know help like if they need help if they need to go somewhere or anything like that so yeah I think that there's like different levels to it, but I think boundaries are extremely, extremely important and you can always establish boundaries after. And I I think Gajot said this in the past where she's like, you can establish boundaries after, but you're going to face a lot of resistance because you've been giving away so much for free. So when you stop giving it away for free, people are obviously going to be like, hey, why are you not giving me your emotional capacity anymore
1: why are you not giving it all to me anymore what what did I do yeah or what's wrong with you it's it's a you thing right that's so true and that's such a beautiful way to say it my my way my point of view is not as prolific it's more my sisters are my sisters and my tuition is strong based on my life experiences and literally having experienced damn near everything I've built that to intuition. And I've learned to trust her and I've learned to really rely on her as my guide. And that is my core being. And it's really, it's kind of odd because there's almost like this sense of like women wanting to come into that space and women are welcome into that space when they are not forcing it. I can Mm -hmm. really within like seconds of, of interacting with somebody, I can tell whether this relationship is going to be transactional based business, or if they really really are trying to be in the same space with me as reclamation in sisterhood so i'm really yeah. protective of that i'm really protective of myself and my sisters like i have no I'm, I'm old school in that sense too i think a lot of people are lacking that these days like you know old school in the sense of like no you're not gonna fuck with my sister and yeah. i don't care how people might see it as immature whatever it is i'm 31 years old and if you do some really fucked up shit to one of my sisters i'm also not fucking with you yeah. yeah loyalty
2: I've got it tattooed on me loyalty yes runs
0: deep. yes nobody it not- makes me think of the song uh Brooke Valentine um uh,
1: girl like, fight
0: girl <laughs> fight yeah exactly <laughs> Yo, yep. no, nobody takes
2: loyalty seriously anymore there's no loyalty in this world with friendships with relationships with anything like it's you it's know what such a rare thing
1: you know what I find that to really come down to gorgeous it's consideration people don't have consideration and I'm not saying that like oh you don't like how this girl talked to you so don't talk to her and not that like not that kind of bullshit and that's how I feel like that is how I feel about my my sisters and not just my sisters but like women that I might have um might be in connection with that I value and respect whatever it is like I just really like it's all women you know it is not a clicky thing it's all women I want us all to rise but my girlfriend Samanji said something so beautiful and true why this particular wound hurts is it really hurts when your own people don't grow with you so we were talking about seeing women hurting and being in this place of being bullies and stuff it's like it hurts because it's like yo come on let's do this together yeah so
2: I totally recognize that and I totally feel that and it's you know what what's beautiful what's amazing and it's beautiful and everybody says this until you start really experiencing it your reality is a true manifestation of your inner being and your thoughts and your mind and what you what you put out there it really really is
1: love that once
2: you heal your world heals it's Mm -hmm. crazy it's literally Mm -hmm. crazy once you are rising and you start putting those frequencies out, it's almost like an echo. It's literally like an echo out there. And it's gonna, it's vibrating back. And I noticed this too. Like I noticed myself when I started, like, even with my poetry, I used to post like a couple of poems, like always positive, right? I never put anything negative out there. never put trauma poems out there because I just didn't want people to think I'm like depressed. Although my soul felt like yeah. Duki. I used to think I had a Duki Atma, but that's because I never let anything out. And then once I started like recognizing and I started healing, it was like almost like instantaneously. Like when I started healing, once I started establishing boundaries, once I started like just really, really believing in that type of space and that love and all that it just, everybody just started falling in. Like I met Thumb I met my really good friend, Navi, like I, who's like a mentor to me. I just like the people I met you, I met Brown Girl Tokes. like the people I started now who I meet, every single person I meet, I can see that there is a purpose, that they Mm -hmm. are introduced in my life for a reason. And every single connection that doesn't align, I recognize it almost immediately that it's not meant to align. It's supposed to kind of, make me recognize what is true and what is aligned. You know, it's like anything that's fake or anything that's not like not good or not appropriate. It's just a dichotomy in life. It's only for you to show the contrast of what is that brightness, that beautiful, that kindness, that that love that you have. You can't see all of that without even seeing anything else. You know, you have to see it in both ways. It's not necessarily negative. It just is. 100%
1: 100% and then you carry that and that's how you move through life despite still going through these other things you know issues with parents issues with home life your own traumas whatever it is it's just like you're moving with love and it sounds corny but like you're really moving with love you know yeah with that being said it's not that you're hating on on people for not being where you are but it's just like I've worked so hard to be here I do not need you infiltrating this
0: space. Yeah. My question is how, like with all this being said and, and working on ourselves and making ourselves powerful enough not to, I guess, be phased by what others have to say or what impact they have on our lives. How do we work towards sisterhood now? Like in, you know, today's age, especially with COVID, like how, how do we work towards creating strong circles of love, of sisterhood, of community? Uh, of, of women, I have something identity.
2: I want to say on this. Do it. You know, we, because of social media and us being on social media and a lot, especially Twitter, I want to point out Twitter because people are very unfiltered on Twitter. Mm -hmm. They really are. And it's a good thing, especially being on all these social media platforms. I recognize when someone tweets something or someone posts something or anything that I see that like is taking away from their power, taking, making their feelings some type of way. It's really easy to scroll past that. It takes a little bit of energy and effort to just reach out and just to say something or have encouraging words or to uplift them. Like for example, Pearlie, you like almost every single poem of mine. I cannot, I think I messaged you once about it. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I can't explain to you how that makes me feel. Like, cause I know, like, for I can feel it. I can feel it that you're supporting me, and that does so much for me. Like, I it moves me. It genuinely moves me. And I think I messaged you once on it. Little things like that. That little bit of encouragement that you give to a person, it, it's, it's monumental. Like, I cannot like. For example, I read something somewhere. When you are giving a plant love, it literally shows how much more strong the plant grows.
1: Mm. Imagine
2: if you did that to a
1: human being. Oh, we would all be just beautiful, blossoming flowers. Right? I'm so glad you said that. And I think for me to answer that is like just to be like that's such a true testament to somebody's character you know for me how I heal that space and how I do encourage other people to heal that space is to decolonize your friendships decolonize your relationships and by doing that the relationships are no longer transactional and we think of transactional as like what you do for what can you do for me what can I do for you but it's actually so much deeper than that think about you just talked about social media right when you and I connected, never was it a thought in my mind that what can I get out of Gurdjieff? It was just like, I see, I see a brown sister. She's pouring her heart and soul out into this beautiful work. And I just want to be a witness to it. You know, it yeah. doesn't make me perfect. I still have, I, I'm constantly working on that, decolonizing that space. And there's so much more to do rather than just making it non-transactional. But that's a big thing for us all as women of color to unlearn. Because even now, especially since our lives are so lived on social in both a positive way and a negative way, realistically, you see that. You see suddenly so-and-so has clicked up and they best friends, but it's based on what are they going to get out of each other? How can they get follows? How can they get likes? And, you know, if that's building somebody, beautiful. But for me, that's never going to be the basis of a friendship. Yeah. So e- even like if I do connect with somebody and I just sense that it is not right or whatever the case is if we're not close for me personally I'm just like that's okay like that's okay I just don't want this transactional relationship where I'm feeling like this person is acting this way towards me because I didn't give them time or I didn't give them something like I just have zero time for that because I have so much more love you know like I have love in my relationships I have love in the connections like even like this like I get so much love from your work reading your work it does so much for me Um, and again like not to make that transactional but it's just if anything I get what I see is like a brown woman doing her thing and I fucking just love that period you know yeah so I think that's a huge way to reclaim that another way is just to be very aware of who you are and know your power and what you bring to the table and align yourself with those types of people and it's not you know for you to do big things with them or whatever but you can't you can't be trying to reclaim this space but then you know be associated with somebody who is inflicting this on somebody else because yes. they're lacking sympathy they're lacking care they're lacking empathy and they're gossiping to you about so and so or every other day or whatever it is you know like it's so weird because i remember telling one of my friends like i just i, I don't i don't want to be part of this conversation i don't like the gossiping And they literally said like, since when do you woke people not talk shit? And I'm like, first of all, I'm not a woke person. I'm literally just figuring things out, but that's my boundary. I don't want to be in a relationship with someone where it's always about talking about somebody else, you know, and I kind of rambled on that, but anyways, a way to heal from it is decolonize, decolonize your mentality in terms of how you approach relationships and also build relationships with people who are doing the same thing, period.
2: Yeah, yes, 100%. Like, I'm a snap to that. That's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, like,
2: Wait.
0: one part of it happens from conversations. And it's the power of conversations. Mm-hmm. It's the power of coming together. And I think that, like, right now, this is this is having a conversation. Uh, you and yeah. Grijot, uh, you know, chatting up in the DMs is a conversation. Grijot, you know, you mentioned reaching out to someone on Twitter if you have the mental capacity is conversation mm-hmm. so you know it's this power of like coming together and to confide in someone and I feel like in the modern day of social media sometimes we kind of have these preconceived notions that like oh this person's so extra or this person's cringe and I've I've had to actually do a lot of unlearning and come to it with myself as well and you know think why am I thinking this if I don't you know vibe with content I can pass you know pass it by but instead we have you know come into such judgmental circles um I wanted to ask you like what goes what elements go into a powerful conversation when it comes to sisterhood and and comes to those conversations how do you establish trust
1: I think it's like honesty and when you can already come to the table and be 100% yourself yeah you know a lot like I don't know you ladies tell me if you can relate but even in schools in the workplace and things like that you already have to code switch being a person of color you know so when I'm able to even like in working spaces with women now like you know, we, we have more of a creative workspace, but I I'll show up on any zoom call with a spliff in my hand and just be myself. And I'm not going to lie last year, even certain spaces I was in, I would be judged for that. And it'd be like, save that till later, save that till later. And it's like, no, this is my it's like I'm not going to change it's still like my mind
2: it's still I hold a split
1: for this call I'm ready to to hang out like you know and even that comes with the judgment like we're so far removed as a people from the benefits and use of marijuana and cannabis I should say and how we introduced it to the world and we get the most judged for it and it's by our own people it's by our own sisters you know um so it's really just like showing up as yourself because I think Thaman, I think you said it it's like you kind of you have to have those boundaries and let people know like how you want to interact and it goes back to even that corny saying of like you show you show love to yourself and you set the tone for how people are going to treat you and for me I'm just in a place now where I'm tired of not being myself so I'm only going to do that um, and yeah. that goes beyond just showing up with a spliff. You know, it's like the way that I talk, the way that I interact, like I'm not going to be apologetic and it's beautiful because now I have had my sisters tell me like, thank you for saying that because I felt like held by you in that moment where mm. I don't know, just as an example, if, if we're talking about something and I'm like, you know, well, let's not get into that because we know somebody here has experienced something like that. So that's a little judgmental of you to say, it's just like looking out for each other. Yeah, even even when it is with each other. Yeah, you know? and when you have your people, when when those people are non judgmental and open minded too, they won't even hold that against you.
2: Yeah, and it's also like once you start like pre- like not taking things personally, like when you don't like, and you, it's really natural and easy easier, not easy. Nothing's easy, Nothing but it's easy. natural um, yeah. for people to start recognizing that, and then. not taking you personally either because that's a that's a thing right Mm -hmm. like you're not sometimes if you're saying something to someone or whatever it's not personal to them right but a lot of people do like tend to take things personally but once you like start embodying that and not taking things personally that's when I think it starts showing That like who you are and what you say is have everything to do with yourself and not with anyone
1: else, right? Absolutely. You said it so well. It's so true. What do you think, Thaman? Answer your own question.
0: (laughs) I think uh, trust is definitely one of them. And Perli, you mentioned it. It's establishing trust with others. And it's about being open. And this like made me think of conversations that we have within ourselves, but we don't necessarily extend outwards. How do we extend this conversation to our mother's generations like how can like we can have that one-on-one conversation with our mother but they themselves still have so many barriers that come up when it comes to sharing information of her like when they when they feel her or when they're going through something they still don't share it with their group of friends so like or because this idea of like I can't let them see that I'm weaker than like them or whatever and so it's about having that conversation with them and extending that out towards your aunts and your like mm-hmm. you know what grandmothers when they come opening up that space and making it truly an intergenerational process because our next generation you know our children are going to be around our parents they're going to be in and around and they're going to experience that and we don't want them to be taught the same things and also, True. like, you know, taking down the myth, you're never too old to learn at any age you can learn. So I think that's really important. But we need to get note- our
2: brown parents to believe that because like right. there's a lot of them who are like, I'm old now. I'm not changing. This is what it is. It's like literally embedded. Like I hear it all the time. And it's like, yeah. no, they are changing.
0: And um, but that brings us to the end of our episode. It was like super short. And Pearly, we need to have you back on again. Yeah, uh, I'm before down. We go, where can people actually find you?
1: so just to make it easier go to my website www.thediatribepodcast.com you can find everything there you can contact me you can check out my stuff you can connect with me on instagram um and you can listen to my episodes
0: well thank you for being here we really appreciate you and you know all the wisdom that you imparted on us and (laughs) this conversation Um, thank you
1: ladies i learned so much from you both too it was beautiful
2: i'm so happy for this and i'm happy this happened i'm happy to do it again
1: me too 100 and
2: and i truly truly look forward to us actually meeting in person and i know it's going to happen and i really believe it's going to be so blessed i I can tell i can feel the energies already within the conversation so it's going to be amazing i can't
0: wait And on that note, guys, you are listening to The Element here on News Talk Saga 960 AM. And we are officially out.